Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. There's lots of ways to invest in real estate. This week, we're going to take a look at the overnight market. Yep, we're going to talk hotels and what that means for real estate investors today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Tom Wilson escaped the Silicon Valley rat race to become a full-time real estate investor with over 200 rental units in less than 10 years. Discover how he did it in his free special report, Fortunate Choice, From High Tech to the Heart of Texas. Send your email request to fortune at realestateguysradio.com or visit the special report section under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. Find out how Tom got out of the rat race and how you can too. Send an email to fortune at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms, here with co-host financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. In Mississippi. Yes, we are. We aren't very often in Mississippi. It's my first time. <laughs> See, that's what I mean, not very often. And uh, we're, uh, as you can probably guess, since we're not in Mississippi very often, we're in a hotel uh, like we were last night in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, you came from Toronto. Yes, I did. Through Chicago. And uh, I, of course, was in Miami uh, through Jacksonville, Florida. And we've been traveling around a whole bunch. And and uh, if you listen to the show last week, uh, I was, uh, of course, in Orlando, Florida, talking uh, with the folks at the Shared Ownership uh, Conference. And uh, that led me to some really interesting conversations to folks in the hospitality industry. And we don't talk very often about the hotel sector, but it's an exciting part of the real estate uh, industry and one that you might think you know something about. And, and maybe you're going to learn some nuggets today because really we're seeing the hotel industry evolve and change. And believe it or not, occupancy is higher than you might think. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of of different things to think about. You know, we spend a lot of money in hotels, right, as consumers. We travel a lot in our business, and so we spend a lot of money in hotels. We're on, really, as far as I'm concerned, the wrong end of the financial transaction, <laughs> right? I want to be on the receiving end of the income, not on the paying end of the income. But you don't often think about some of these services that you use that have a real estate component in them, and clearly hotels do, when you're busy doing your business because you're so focused on doing your business. And so this is interesting. You know, my wife, early on in our marriage, we used to talk about this notion of someday we wanted to have a bed and breakfast. Yeah. And if you really think about that, that's kind of like a real basic understanding of being in the hotel business. Most people can relate to that, just like beginning investors can relate to owning a single family home. They can relate to it. They grew up in one. On the Memphis field trip, we had a guy who grew up in apartments. And he goes, I invest in apartments because I understand them. I grew up in apartments. I understand apartments. Some people have never lived in an apartment, really. you know. And so sometimes it's a lot what you're familiar with. So to me, understanding the hospitality business really starts at the very basic level of just understanding the concept of a bed and breakfast. If you think of it that way and then just expand up on that, you can see how these big hotel chains get built big businesses. I had an opportunity to meet uh, Bill Marriott once, and it was uh, incredible. Uh, Bill Jr., I guess it would be. Uh, and uh, he, he was uh, just, at the time, I uh, was working at a Marriott hotel. And just for those of you that uh, have no idea why a guy like me would work in a Marriott hotel, I was the DJ in the lounge. So, But I, I got a chance to meet him, an incredible guy in a lot of ways, very disciplined. He came to the hotels once a year, and it was amazing how much he remembered about everybody in the hotel that worked for him. And I don't know if he was prompted ahead of time, but he remembered names, he remembered facts. It was I impressive. But but that's a that's kind of a big level. When you think about it on its basis level from a real estate investment point of view, here's what intrigues me about the hotel business. The nightly rate. 
Right. It's so much higher than the monthly rate on, on a rental basis. And there are strictly hotel markets for sure, but there's also kind of the continuum, if you will, from folks who rent out places on, on a monthly basis to a weekly basis to condo hotel to pure hotel to residential uh, components of, of hotels that are branded. And there's a lot of ways. And, and what's happening, of course, is as the world changes and as people aren't as locked into a single location as they once were, travel is certainly something that appeals to people. Well, it clearly is. You know, you'd think with the information age, people can communicate with each other and not need to travel as much on business. But the reality is it means people can travel more on leisure and still be productive. That's the way it is for me. I do a lot of business in hotel rooms. Yeah. You know, I spend a lot of time on my computer, Wi-Fi. I'm, I could be out by the pool. You know, I can catch my workout in the gym. I don't have to worry about uh, cooking because I got the restaurant. I don't have to worry about making up my room, you know, I mean, and yet I can still be very productive. So for me personally, the lines have blurred between business and leisure travel because I can mix the two. And so sometimes people think the hotel business is going to go down because people don't need to travel as much. But the reality is people can actually travel more for leisure and still be productive. So I think it kind of balances out at the end of the day. Before we're done today, we're going to tell you exactly where the hotel industry sits, if you will, in terms of occupancy. And you might be surprised at that. We're also going to talk with a gentleman who has a very interesting uh, perspective. Uh, he is the managing editor of Lodging Hospitality Magazine, and uh, this is exactly the space that they work in. So Eric Stossel is with us today. We'll hopefully get some, uh, some light shed on this. And as a real estate investor, see where there might be opportunity for you. It's going to be a great show. Stay with us. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're the Real Estate Guys. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Have you ever been frustrated with your bank? Denied a loan? Charged excessive fees? Hassled over late payments? Don't worry, you're not alone. What if you could become your own bank? Set your own terms? Interest would be paid to you all your monthly payments could be reused for other purchases. Now you can. There is a cash management system that families, business owners, and investors have used for decades, which allows you to be the bank. For a free article from our friends at Paradigm Life, visit www.beyourbank.com or call us at 1-888-510-6838, extension 116. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. 
Hi, this is Lawrence Yoon, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this fine radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking today about what's happening in the overnight lodging sector. Part of the way real estate gets used, of course, is in the hotel business. And uh, our guest today knows something about that. He's managing editor for Lodging and Hospitality Magazine. Please welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program, Mr. Eric Stossel. Hey, Eric. Hey, Robert. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking time out of your day. No problem at all. Now, this is uh, the world you live in, of course, is the uh, kind of the hotel uh, resort business. Paint us the, kind of the big picture, you know, in the wake of what's happened in the economic crisis. We heard that uh, less people were traveling. And, and has that changed? Has that turned around? Where does the hotel uh, sector sit right now? Um, I think for the most part, uh, in recovery mode, we're not all the way back to where we were in, you know, 06, 07, uh, but, but we're on the way. You know, in general, uh, companies are fairly optimistic. Uh, we're still not seeing much new construction due to some financing in, in the capital market uh, issues, obviously. I'm guessing you, you hear that in all the other different segments uh, as well. Occupancy is, is, is returned, I think, more robustly than anyone imagined, and we're at record levels of, of that right now in demand. Supply, obviously, with the lack of new construction is, is at a pretty historical low, so, so the operating environment is great for hotels. If you're a hotel owner that you know, isn't over your head and not over leveraged from, from financing in, in 06 or 07 or 08, you know, now's a great time to be a hotel owner in most uh, major markets and, and really almost anywhere in the country, uh, potentially. So, so things are looking good. Uh, acquisitions, transaction market is still a little slow, but it's starting to pick up. And a lot of that is tied into the overall economy. And I think really industry fundamentals are, are really strong across the board. It's just a matter of, of outside issues. Macroeconomic factors are the big concerns that, that everyone has and has, you know, continued to keep everyone a little cautious uh, because of, you know, questions about our economy here and, and abroad and the election and the fiscal cliff and, and all those types of things. Right. It's a lot to be thinking about, uh, no matter what part of the segment of the uh, industry you're in. You know, in residential and commercial, certainly uh, there was uh, a big pullback based on the liquidity that you talked about, the lack of funding. Today, funding available in the apartment space is about probably the best area. But what we've seen, of course, is that has created an environment where there are good buying opportunities for people that are looking at commercial and residential. Do you sense the same thing in the hotel business? Is it a good time to be a buyer of a hotel property? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it is. I mean, you'll also hear people say it's a good time to be a seller as well. I mean, you know, at least in, in kind of major markets, premium branded trophy assets, especially uh, through these last couple of years, have actually drawn a, a pretty good price and, and price per room, which is the, the metric we use in the hotel industry, have have kind of reached some pre-downturn levels in, in some major markets like San Francisco and New York and Miami and uh, those gateway type cities. So, I was just talking to a, a CEO of a, of a REIT uh, recently, a hotel REIT, who said it's it's one of those rare times where it can be a really good time to be both a buyer and seller, which is kind of a strange concept. But but depending on, on where you're at, you know, it, it can be good to, to sell or buy. And, and I think more so it's a good time to be a buyer. But depending on your, your asset, you might be able to... Uh, to sell it for a pretty good price too. Now, when you look at the hotel industry, there's obviously different types of hotels, not just in terms of the quality, you know, the star rating, if you would, a consumer would look at a a two-star property versus a five-star property, but also the location based on whether it's a business hotel, whether it's a vacation destination. Have you seen any differences in the recovery in the various types of properties? Well, kind of going along a little bit with what I just said about the uh, the major markets, trophy assets, the, the the upper end of the industry has has returned the quickest. Now they fell the furthest, 
so that's partially why they look like they've climbed the furthest back. Certainly, the, the year-over-year comparisons are, are more favorable. But the luxury and the, the upper upscale segments have really uh, returned ahead of everybody else, uh, which I think is for two reasons. Like I said, they fell the furthest in 07 and 08. We, you guys probably recall the, the AIG effect and the kind of the sentiment against businesses and the government traveling to expensive luxury resorts. So the group business really was hit very hard. Uh, it, it's not all the way back at all, and that's still one area that is, is not all the way back. Um, leisure travel really didn't go anywhere, uh, we, we saw through the downturn. But for the most part, uh, luxury and upscale and upper upscale uh, segments of the hotel industry have, have returned the strongest, and, and the lower end, the economy, and, and mid-scale really have been the, the slowest to, to recover. Although everyone is, is climbing back, the, the, the upper end is where we've seen the, the greatest uh, improvements. When you look at leisure travel, uh, you know, there's a difference between how folks arrive in places, and uh, if uh, you're flying today, there's less flights. They, they seem to be fuller. You've got the whole issue of security. And have you seen that become an effect on people's decision as to where they may go to vacation? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, certainly airlift is always a factor when you're talking uh, the hotel industry, but I don't believe that's been one of the biggest factors in, in uh, the decline or the return of, of the industry. I mean, I think people are, are still traveling, especially leisure travel uh, demand. Like I said, I, I think I was just at a conference a couple weeks ago uh, with Smith Travel Research, which is the big kind of hotel industry tracker. Uh, and and they, they were talking about how, you know, occupancy and demand are, are at the highest level in the history of the hotel industry. We're selling more room nights per month, per day, per year than we ever have before. So, you know, there are more people on a, on every night of the year staying at hotels than, than ever before. So people are still traveling. They may be downsizing or, or staying at a, a smaller or less expensive property, or maybe they're not traveling as far as they did in the past. But for the most part, people are still traveling, and, and it's the leisure traveler that's, that's leading the way on that. Yeah, you know, it does seem that the, the, just what technology has done, people in the hotel industry, well, you know, less people are getting together for conferences and conventions. But I think there's the other side of it, which is technology enables people to work from anywhere then there becomes not only the incentive, but the availability for people to travel and work anywhere. So so they do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, we, we always heard on the technology side, you know, through the years, the, the, uh, the online capability of, of meetings and, and uh, Skype and, and the fact that people are going to be able to have meetings remotely uh, and you, there, there may not be the need to, to travel to, to get together. But what we've seen really is, is face-to-face is still, you know, the ultimate and, and best way to do business. And for visiting your, your grandchild or grandson or, or granddaughter or, or your parents, you still want to do it in person. And, and especially on the, the business side, corporate business is, is conducted in person. And, and although maybe the technology is there there to do it uh, remotely, you know, that's that's not what we're seeing. And, and I, I think those uh, kind of uh, video conferencing has not been a huge trend that's affected travel, at least to this point. And Eric, you know, as people are out there traveling and, and using the hotel product, every industry has to evolve and change. What are the, some of the things you're seeing out there in terms of the operators who are trying to adapt to maybe what the, the new traveler wants? Are, are there any big trends that you see in, in that regard? Um, you know, but like you said, the technology piece, you know, we've got almost, it seems like on a daily basis, new announcements, new products coming out, new services, hotels are trying to keep up. I mean, the old standard was you wanted to, uh, if you're a hotel owner, to, to offer your guests, you know, a, a notch above what they have at home. Obviously, with, with kind of audiovisual entertainment uh, systems that, that are out there now, that's almost impossible to do. People have, you know, super high-tech gadgets and gizmos uh, in their home entertainment uh, systems. So hotels are really kind of scrambling and trying to keep up as much as they can, and, and certainly Wi-Fi and, and whether it's 
for pay or, or free wireless uh, are challenges with the bandwidth that, that hotels require to, to maintain throughout, you know, 100, 200, 500, 1,000 room properties. And, and hotels are doing their best to, to keep up with, you know, flat screen TVs and, and bigger and better. And, you know, the, the recent release of the iPhone uh, has, I think, impacted some hotels. You know, every, as you probably see traveling, most hotels have the, the docking stations. I think, I'm not an iPhone user, so I'm not an expert on this, but I think with the iPhone 5, for some reason, they're, they're different sizes or shapes, or the, the docking port is a little bit different. So hotels that had, you know, docking stations for iPhones now are challenged that they need an adapter or new docking systems for the alarm clocks because the iPhone 5s don't fit like they did with the, the previous version. So that's just one example of, of the challenges of trying keep up with 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 your guests and consumers and this evolving you know technology piece that we have right now of course because many of the uh, operators that you have in the hotel business are big companies with lots and lots of, of rooms uh, they, they probably have the ability to do some of the research and maybe the focus groups and things to find out what travelers really want today yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly, you know, guys like or companies like Marriott and Starwood and, and Hilton are, are really doing things like that and, and have departments uh, that can, can kind of dig into a lot of those things and, and are looking to try to identify the trends that, that are, are out there and, and where things are going to be a year or five years in advance. But, you know, it, things are evolving so quickly with, with technology, it's really hard to, to know and keep up. But, but those companies are all doing their best to try to understand what the consumer wants and, and how to provide it. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems that those are the folks that probably have the resources to figure that out. But on the other hand, the smaller operators might be a little more nimble in terms of their ability to implement some of those things. Absolutely. That's the big thing you hear. I mean, certainly going with a franchise and a brand for uh, with some of those bigger companies, there's a, there's a lot you get out of that with, with the marketing and, and education and training and, and technology piece with, with uh, distribution and reservation systems and all those things but but certainly with with the smaller guys smaller brands or being an independent you know you, you are a lot more nimble and and can can react and adapt a lot quicker it may not be as easy, uh, and there are certainly some some challenges that come with with that route as well. But you know, that's for somebody that does try to do it on their own or or join a smaller brand or collection. You know, that that's often the reason they do it because they feel like they can adapt and and turn quicker when something does happen, rather than having to deal with the the corporate infrastructure and bureaucracy that you might have with the the larger. Uh, hotel companies and franchises. Our guest today is Eric Stossel. He's managing editor of Lodging Hospitality Magazine. When we come back, we'll talk more with Eric about where there might be opportunity for real estate investors and some of the different types of hotel properties that are out there and what that means to you. We'll also play Real Estate Trivia when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're the Real Estate Guys. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Is investors survey the country for markets and properties that will perform well for them over the next five to 10 years, one market in particular stands out. That's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta was the second fastest growing MSA throughout the last decade. It's home to the world's busiest airport and has one of the highest concentrations of Fortune 500 companies in the country. Atlanta is expected to add 100,000 new people every year for the next 10 years. And just next year alone, Atlanta is predicted to add over 50,000 new jobs. Now, what if I told you you could buy fully renovated, leased, and cash-flowing investment properties in this market for half of replacement cost? That's right, three- and four-bedroom homes in good suburban neighborhoods that can be purchased completely renovated for seventy dollars to $90,000. At Georgia Residential Partners, this is exactly what we do. We've been helping investors all over the country make solid real estate purchases in Atlanta for almost seven years. Call us today at 770-924-5450. Or check us out online at gainvesting.com. 
If you're like me and thousands of others, you know that the Real Estate Guys radio show is a great source for quality content about investing in real estate. But did you know that they also have a book? I just finished reading their book, Equity Happens, and I was blown away by how much I learned. If you're ready to create sustainable wealth through real estate, you need to get Equity Happens. You'll learn, just as I did, about what it takes to prosper in the real estate industry. So don't wait. Make Equity Happen to you. Order your copy today at equityhappens.com. Hi, this is Frank Holmes, Chief Investment Officer and CEO of U.S. Global Investors. And you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program heard every weekend on this fine radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking about the hotel sector today. And before we get back to our interview with Eric Stossel, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. When you hear the question and think you know the answer or want to take a guess, quickly send it to us in an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you the prize, an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. All you have to do is send us your guests uh, before next week's show. Now, we give away two copies of the book. Usually the first one goes to someone listening on the radio because they're fast. And then uh, we'll take all the correct guesses for the week, have a drawing for a second book. So even if you're listening on the podcast, you still could be a winner. Last week in Orlando, Florida, we were at the Peabody Hotel and we asked this. The Orlando Peabody Hotel is one of three Peabody Hotels in the world. In what city was the first Peabody Hotel founded? And the answer... Well, the place we left yesterday, Memphis, Tennessee, the home of the Peabody Ducks. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Released on January 27, 1956, Heartbreak Hotel was Elvis Presley's first number one pop record. Where was it recorded? So we're talking about hotels. Where was Heartbreak Hotel recorded? We're just looking for the city, not the recording studio, although we'll tell you the answer to that next week. What city was Heartbreak Hotel recorded in? If you know or you want to take a guess, quickly send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Be sure and include your name and mailing address. That is today's real estate trivia question. Our guest today is Eric Stossel. He's managing editor of a great industry publication called Lodging Hospitality, also a great web presence. They do a lot uh, in getting the word out uh, to this industry. And, and, you know, Eric, on our show, we don't talk that much about uh, the resort and the, the hotel business, but it's an important part of the real estate business. Just, just because we have uh, real estate investors as listeners, there's a couple different places they can get involved. Obviously, you mentioned REITs and a real estate investment trust that focuses on the hospitality industry could be an opportunity. Um, where else do you see people investing in the hotel sector? Well, there's there's also uh, the, the public hotel companies, uh, you know, the, the old-fashioned stock market, you know, Marriott and Starwood and Choice and Wyndham are all publicly uh, listed C corporations. Uh, so that's that's one avenue. The, the There are specific hotel REITs that I'm sure your, your listeners are familiar with, like uh, Hersha and Ashford and Strategic and Sunstone. Uh, yep. And then there's obviously uh, private equity and, and real estate. I mean, the hotels are kind of a sexy, uh, exciting uh, investment opportunity. So, you know, a lot, especially as we touched on some of the independent hotels, people have, have ideas and, and think they can, can run a hotel. So you see some, uh, some kind of 
personal individual investors, uh, you know, looking to, to get into the business just, the, you know, that way as well. So there's there's a whole sort of, uh, a whole array of options for, for investment uh, that can get you kind of in the door into the, 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 the lodging uh, industry. Now, a lodging hospitality, you guys obviously put a lot of great information out to folks. You also do a couple of events. Your uh, big event that happens uh, in the Midwest, the Global Lodging Investment Summit that happens each year. And for the last couple of years, uh, you've done a real cool event. I attended the first year, the uh, Boutique Lifestyle Conference. Tell us about that. Uh, yes, that's coming up. It's October 17th through the 19th at the Fountain Blue in uh, South Beach in, in Miami, Florida. Uh, it is called the Lifestyle Boutique Hotel Development Conference. This will be the fourth year for it. brings together maybe 300 or so hotel owners, operators, investors who are interested in the specific lifestyle and boutique segments of the industry. But it's, it's more independent hotels, hoteliers, uh, smaller brands. Uh, some of the brand companies do have kind of what they classify boutique or lifestyle brands. Marriott's got the autograph collection. Uh, you know, Renaissance offers you some freedom uh, to, to be kind of more of a, a boutique feeling type brand. Uh, Starwood has a loft. You know, Choice has its Ascend collection of, of independent boutique properties. So, so even the big players have their own version. Uh, but our conference is October 17th to the 19th at the Fountain Blue. It kind of covers uh, the, the industry in those segments from, from an investment and development perspective. Uh, you know, it's a great networking event. We have a lot of the key players from, from some of the biggest uh, companies in, in that space and, and a lot of individual hotel owners and operators who come to, to learn and network. And, you know, we'll probably see some wheeling and dealing there and, and some, uh, you know, talk of transactions and, and a lot of partnerships being formed. Uh, we've got speakers from, from Marriott and uh, some of the big uh, kind of boutique owners and operators in the hotel industry, Hersha Hospitality Trust. Uh, and, and uh, some smaller companies that, that your listeners may not be familiar with, but we've, you know, certainly in, in California, there are a lot of boutique brands. We've had Chip Conley from Joie de Vivre as our keynote speaker in years past, and we've got a, a lot of companies uh, coming from California to be at the event uh, that, that specialize in, in kind of more independent and, and boutique-type properties. Yeah, it really is a, a fascinating event, especially if you are just looking at the industry maybe for the first time. You get an understanding of uh, kind of kind of what the differences are. There's this, this whole continuum. You know, you mentioned Marriott, right? They have several different brands, you know, from, from Ritz-Carlton all the way down to, you know, Fairfield and, and some of the other uh, brands they have. But but for the boutique operator, you know, many times it's, it's a one-off. It's a unique property. What are the challenges that someone that owns a property like that has? Well, they're immense, really. I mean, you've got uh, the biggest probably challenge, I would say, in, in talking to these guys is the distribution piece. I mean, trying to sell your hotel, you know, one of the big advantages of going with a franchise and one of the big hotel companies, hotel brand companies like a Marriott or Starwood or a Choice is is the, the you know, behind the scenes support you're getting, you know, with, with your website and making sure your hotel is represented on all the different online travel agency websites and GDS and, and your hotel is, is available for travel agents. You know, that, that stuff that's kind of behind the scenes that you don't see is probably the toughest component for, for an independent hotel. They've got to invest a lot of time and money to make sure their property is, is in the right places. It's coming up in the Google searches and, and those types of things. Um, you know, certainly you don't have the, the training background that you would if you, you were a, a franchise property with one of those companies. So you've got to, you know, come up with your own training and, and human resources and, and operational type support uh, for your property as well. Uh, you don't, you, you know, you can't kind of uh, get a cheat sheet with an outline of how to do everything from, from the brand company. So you're kind of 
you know, the, the challenges is you're doing it all on your own, but the opportunity is, you know, you can do it the way you want to do it. And if you're smart and good, you could probably uh, do it pretty effectively. Now, one of the things I discovered at the conference the first year is that for these kinds of operators, there are a lot of resources, even though you're, you're in business on your own, if you will. There are companies that will help educate you that are, you know, supply companies that, that use combined buying power for materials, all the way to uh, folks that allow you to actually outsource the, the management of the, the hotel. Right, right. The management component of the, of the industry is big, and, and many hotels, uh, you know, especially with institutional owners, the the REITs and and some of the uh, the real money guys, will hire management company, third party management companies who who basically run your hotel for you. Uh, and and you, as an owner, you can just uh, kind of you know even hire an asset manager to act on your behalf to keep the property management company honest and performing. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's one, one way uh, investors uh, can, can go, and, and that's what you'll see with some of the uh, kind of the, the institutional investors. And there are, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of, of property management companies, and some specialize in certain segments of the industry. There are some that focus on operating independent boutique hotels. There are some that operate select service franchised hotels. There are some that do it all. So there's, there's a lot of different players and components to the hotel industry, and, and that's what makes it so interesting, I think. You know, I think the average person out there who is trying to understand what's going on in, in the hotel industry has a cursory knowledge, but there's been things in the last few years that have helped people kind of get their brain around it, right? Uh, like house flipping shows that would in residential. You, you've seen uh, the uh, various television shows that come out. One of the neat shows, Hotel Impossible, is a, a show that's really about going in and completely redoing a hotel. And in fact, the host of that program, Anthony, is going to be speaking at your conference. Right, right. He's kind of our keynote lunch speaker, Anthony Melchiori. I'm going to be doing a kind of a cute, casual conversation Q&A type with him uh, during our lunch on Thursday, October 18th. And, and he's a really outgoing, friendly guy. And I've, I've really kind of gotten uh, to know him fairly well through for interviewing him for, for our publication. And, and he's got a long background in the hotel industry. And, and it's really, uh, you know, he to me, he looks like he's a TV guy. When I watch the show, he, he's very natural at it. But he's really a hotelier at heart and, and has a lot of passion for this industry. And, and I'm excited to have him at this conference. He's really an expert uh, on, on turning around distressed or, or challenged properties that, that need kind of a makeover. He focuses on independent hotels. He goes in and, and talks to the owners or the operators and, and really can, in just a few days, make some major differences to, to help them uh, turn around the property. And, and like you said, he'll be at our event. Uh, and I didn't mention earlier, but if you want more information on the event, you can go to www.lifestyleboutiquelh.com. Uh, and there's all sorts of information there. And to register, uh, if you use the code EARLY in all capital letters, E-A-R-L-Y, uh, you can uh, get our early bird promotional rate of $895 versus the current 1050 uh, rate. So if, if any of your listeners want to, to check out the event or, or get to know about the hotel industry, this would be a great place. And Anthony should be a pretty entertaining uh, speaker and draw for us on Thursday. All right. Great stuff. Well, yeah, the uh, we're past the early bird deadline, but because you're listening to the Real Estate Guys, Eric has passed along that code to you. So if you uh, go to their site and, and, and register, again, it's lifestyleboutiquelh.com. And when you register, just to put in early in all caps and you'll get the uh, early bird rate. Well, we are certainly looking forward to uh, the event and uh, not only meeting a lot of the great folks that are there, but just, you know, getting around the, the people that are making this, this industry work. It's this time where there's opportunity. And, and I think as people become creative and, and they look for where the puck is going, if you will, uh, we're, we're starting to see the whole hotel industry from, from my perspective, really come out of the, 
of the dive, and it, it seems like it's it's events like yours that are going to help people get their mind around that. Definitely, we've, we're seeing a lot of optimism, and, and transactions and acquisitions are really starting to pick up. Um, maybe not where where we thought they'd be, but I think we're going to have a pretty strong final quarter here, and, and I think next year is going to be a really strong uh, year on the acquisition side of uh, the industry. So we should see some pretty big numbers, and, and that's a lot of fun too because you see hotels changing hands and, and being renovated and repositioned, and, and a lot of them maybe turning into boutique or independent hotels. So that's kind of a cool aspect, and that, that'll be a big topic we hear about in Miami at our conference. All right. Well, we sure appreciate your time today, Eric, and we look forward to seeing you in Miami. All right. Thank you, Robert. I enjoyed it. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Here's a real estate trivia question for you. What does Elvis Presley's famous mansion, Graceland, and affordable positive cash flow turnkey real estate investing have in common? Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee is home to both Graceland and Terry Kerr's Mid-South Home Buyers. Terry specializes in trouble-free turnkey rental properties. Turnkey means Terry finds, fixes, rents, and manages the property. So all you have to do is put it in your portfolio and collect the checks. It's plug and play. That's music to my ears. Call Terry and his team at Mid-South Home Buyers at 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Are you excited about real estate investing but not sure where to get started? Learn the secrets of building wealth through real estate in the comfort of your own home. In the Real Equity Home Study Course, professional investor Robert Helms and his team of experts show you why real estate outperforms other investments. Stop dreaming about investing in real estate and start doing something about it. Order the Real Equity Home Study Course today at realestateguysradio.com and click on resources. realestateguysradio.com Hi, this is Donald Trump, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloader podcast on real estate investing. You don't think of hotel investing necessarily as an opportunity, but I think as we discovered, there certainly are uh, some angles. There's a lot of different different ways to play. You know, we did a syndication seminar with a guy who started out uh, selling flowers on a street corner, bought a piece of land, and ended up through a complex series of transactions parlaying that into owning the Four Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills. And so, you know, there's a progression you can go through. I started at the top of the show talking about this concept of bed and breakfast and just understanding the basic business model. Uh, Eric talked about REITs, you know, so people who are classical, publicly traded uh, asset investors can go to the stock market and participate in this particular sector. One of the things that I thought was interesting is this notion that the hotel industry's performance can be a leading indicator of economic recovery. That was one of the things I picked up in, in what he was saying that I thought was really interesting. And the idea that the leisure side of the business was up, you know, it's like we talked about at the beginning. It's like, you know, there's people out there, you think, well, isn't the economy tough? How come the leisure travel is up? Well, maybe people who would travel internationally are now traveling locally. Or again, maybe people who uh, would now, because of the information technology, are able to work on the road and are traveling more as part of their lifestyle. So there's a lot of different things, but there's a lot of different ways to make money also. Well, the other technology side is that today there are technology solutions that allow hotels to be more occupied, right? Like the discount travel sites that if I'm a hotel operator, I'm 80% vacant. There's some things I can do to be able to fill those rooms up and, and today encourage travel that might not have been there before. Well, 
this is huge. He talked about Anthony and Hotel Impossible. And, you know, Robert, you know this, but I'm a huge fan of the show. I right. love to watch that show. Uh, and it's, it's because what he does, he deals with mom and pop investors, which I can relate to. And he goes in there and finds these people. Maybe they've always had a dream and it's a kind of a bed and breakfast on steroids. They buy some property. Some people inherit these things. They're second, third generation. They're family businesses. And he really not only repairs the hotel, he repairs the families. Right. In some cases, these people are dysfunctional. But man, it's just amazing uh, with respect to the details that go into making a hotel work and how quickly you can turn things around if you really know what to focus on. And of course, that's what he's a master on. And you know, the thing is, even though I'm not in the hotel business directly, just as a real estate investor, understanding whether it's a Section 8 unit or whether it's a B-class apartment somewhere or you know, whether it's a hotel, it's the attention to the little details that cater to whoever your customer is and understanding what their needs are that makes the difference, especially in a competitive market between making it or not making it, or increasing profit when you need to protect your profit margins in a competitive environment. You know, we had Dr. Yesowich on the show last week, and of course what he does is study travel patterns of, of people who, who go and, and stay in hotels and all of that, and he's got a really interesting vantage point. And, and of course, Eric is looking at it more from the folks who are in the industry who are providing the housing, uh, the overnight housing, if you will, in the hotel business. But there's so much more uh, attra attracted to that. When we go on our field trips, uh, depending on the marketplace, we'll be looking at the overnight traveler and how that impacts and businesses and certainly what the the infrastructure and drivers are and sometimes that's a big part of it if it's a big convention city or conference city or like in the case of the Belize field trip where a big part of the opportunities that are sometimes there are around nightly and weekly rentals not just month to month day in and day out rentals. Yeah, so I, again, I just think the hotel business in many, many ways can be a temperature gauge, if you will, or a, a way to track the health of a local economy. Obviously, in a, in a community like Orlando, big convention town, Las Vegas, probably one of the great hotel towns. I mean, when we were uh, actually very active in the Las Vegas market, I remember uh, just being educated on that, hey, each hotel room creates what, like? Two and a half jobs, three and a half jobs, something like Depending that. Depending on the what market, the statistics right. Statistics were, yeah, and and then all the peripheral things that go on. And you know, I know when I go in and I stay at a hotel and take a cab, I always like to talk to the staff about the demographic of the people coming through and what their perception is of the health of the the local economy. And they know things, they hear things, they see things you can't get anywhere else. And so uh, that's also an extremely interesting way to figure out what's going on in the community. Yeah, you know, there's so many people that uh, travel a ton, and there's a lot of people that don't travel at all. And if you don't travel very much, you don't think of the hotel part of the business as being a real estate part of the business. And a lot of folks that run it really don't own the asset. I mean, it used to be that a lot of the big hotel companies own their property. Today, some still do, but many don't. And so there's this opportunity sometimes to own the physical asset, but not necessarily the management of the property or even just the land underneath a hotel that is run on a triple net basis. So lots of different ways uh, to invest. And, and really part of the idea is here to open up your eyes as a real estate investor into the great variety of possibilities there are to invest in. It's not just little houses across America. There's all kinds of ways to invest. You know, that's an interesting point because when you get involved in commercial uh, real estate investing and you think to yourself, well, 
you know, why wouldn't the corporation want to own the property? You know, why do they always lease? Well, you know, they have their business models and they know what business they're in and what business they're not in. And they have a velocity that they want on their money. And when you tie up a bunch of capital in a piece of real estate, that money is not actively working capital in your business. A hotel operator is just a business. They're just a business like any other business. You know, if you rent out your property to a grocery store, you rent out your property to a uh, auto repair shop. If you rent out your property to a big retailer or whatever it is, at the end of the day, they're running their business to produce income and they share a portion of that income for the use of your real estate. The hotel business is exactly the same. So you can be a hotel investor, I think is a point you're making, without being a hotel operator. And I think as a real estate investor, it's important to understand that because, you know, we all start out typically, you know, we get our little duplex or we get our fourplex and we get our single family homes. And then we always think about parlaying that up to big apartment buildings, you know. But if you think about the game Monopoly, right, what do you trade those little greenhouses in for? A red hotel. A red hotel, right? <laughs> and why hotels? Because you get a lot more revenue per door in a hotel than you do in an apartment, but you do a lot more work for it. You know, sometimes people look at the management splits in a condo hotel model and think, oh my gosh, I can have a property manager run my apartment building for maybe 10% of the rent. And if I'm going to share it with a hotel operator, I might... I might have to pay 40 or 50 or even more. And you think, oh, that's terrible. But you're getting so much more money at the end of the day, the number still looks very attractive. And so you can't just let these numbers get in your way. And the business model isn't really that difficult to understand. I think it's far more complicated to understand the business model if I'm a commercial landowner of, you know, some bioscience company or something. I don't know whether they're going to be able to fulfill their lease obligation to me. I don't really know how to do the due diligence on that. But it's easy for me when I'm at that level of investment to try to understand the business model of a hotel and compare how they do and how they perform. There's, you know, it's a public rating. You can see if it's three-star, five-star, how the customers are doing, how their rents compare. You know, on that show Hotel Impossible, you talked earlier about the whole internet thing and how they market, it's really leveled the playing field with some of these boutique hotels because the big marketing muscle that used to be gated for the big brands with big budgets now is available to anybody who can put up a website and knows how to do some SEO. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you remember a few years back, I did a, a case study on what was a C-class apartment building in a neighborhood in Phoenix that got turned into a cool little boutique hotel. And and you wouldn't think of that as a, as a conversion. Since that case study, I've seen three or four more of those where it would be too too expensive, perhaps, in a neighborhood to build something from ground up, but you've got an apartment building which functionally could work as a hotel, and they turn the the oddness factor into a coolness factor, and all of a sudden you have amplified, juiced those rents like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, many times when we travel together, uh, you always go out of your way to pick some little boutique hotel and not stay in a major brand, and it's a crapshoot because you never know what kind of experience you're going right. to get. But it's also extremely interesting to see how creative these designs people can be. It's another reason why I like the show Hotel Impossible, because they go in there and just minor things. You know, you come in and, and they'll change the paint, they'll change the bedding, and they'll rearrange the furniture, and it has a completely different feel. And again, you can take these properties that were, you know, C-class type properties, and just with some redecoration, really not even major structural changes, you can completely change the perception of that product in the marketplace and the revenue that it can generate. I mean, when you're talking about many, many rooms and you can make a 10 or 15 or $20 a night change. And, you know, say you're occupied 20, 30 nights 
that's a lot of money on an individual building just by making a few strategic changes. It's one of the fascinating things about being in that in that business. You know, you told me about that show, and I watched a couple episodes of it. And I think real estate investors can learn from that show because you come in and you watch what they do. And, and, and here's the thing. That hotel operator has a paradigm, and they've run it that way for a long time. He comes in, Anthony comes in, and looks around and goes, whoa, wait a minute. What if we do this, this, and this? And I, I, you're thinking you can't do that much, and it really does – you know, create this amazing thing. And of course, the follow-up to that is you see some of these hotels that were on that show, and maybe it's just because they were on TV, or maybe it's because what he does really work, and now they become a lot more successful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to watch that. You watch people who get stuck in their paradigms. One of the, the classic rules, I mean, if you're passionate, you know, you say, I really want to do this. It's my personality. It's my brand. And then instead of listening to the market and letting the market tell you what the product needs to be, you, you know, you fill it up with your colors and you fill it up with your decorations and the market doesn't like it, you know. Right. And then you take it personally as though you've been rejected and then you can't even see past your own prejudices or your own desires and he has a just a great way of coming in so i mean even, i don't care what kind of property if you're out there and you're owning a property and you are stuck and you're just having a hard time with your property whether it's a hotel an apartment building a fourplex a single family home or whatever get somebody to come in and give you a fresh opinion and get out of your own way and let somebody help you see the potential of your property because i promise you whatever your problem is can easily be converted into an opportunity and if you're stuck Again, just get out of your own way and get some help. Somebody has solved your very problem before. Well, we're excited to be headed off to Miami to uh, this event, get a chance hopefully to meet Anthony and hear about that. And, uh, of course, if you're interested in the hotel business, I can't think of a better opportunity than to head out to the Lifestyle Boutique Hotel Conference. I went the first year, and it was awesome. And, and you know, we don't always repeat events just because we have so much on our calendar. But we thought, hey, this sounds uh, pretty interesting, and so uh, we'll head out there. We're also headed uh, to Belize, and we'd love to have you join us. Now, you got to act fast. We're doing this in uh, just a, a few days, and then we'll go again in another month. But a uh, very awesome hotel market, but also a lot of different real estate plays there. So check that out. And uh, got to give a big thanks to all the folks who came out to our Memphis field trip. Had an extraordinary time in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, met a lot of really great folks. Absolutely. One of our favorite things is getting to spend time with the people who listen to the show. We just appreciate you know all your cards and letters, if you will, by email at our feedback page. Let us know uh, how you like the show, things you want to see us talk about about and come out to a live event spend some time with us love to see you face to face all right there's our show thanks so much to eric stossel for his time today and thanks to the folks in our resource center who help make the real estate guys possible tell a friend about the real estate guys radio program until next week go out and make some equity happen this episode of the real estate guys radio show is brought to you by paradigm life powerful cash management strategies using life insurance learn more at beyourbank.com Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.